host, D-Rock. And today I'm joined by my friend and my partner in crime, the one and only Hans Vanderkill. Hans, Happy New Year, man. How's it going? Happy New Year, D-Rock. 2022, well, we made it a whole other year. Whole we other did. Year, the pandemic, the lockdown, you know, never ended. So. <laughs> the craziness. The craziness. As long as the pandemic doesn't end, then, you know, this, this podcast can march on forever. For <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And Hans, uh, we'll save maybe for like another time, like, a catching up on what's been going on with you, but oh, of course, no, we got a much, uh, we got a much more interesting subject matter and and guest uh, with us here. Oh yeah, um, we we have a legend with us. Yes, someone who I know very very well, and we're currently about like fifteen minutes apart geographically. But yeah, you know, to be true to form, we uh, decided to uh, do do it the way we always do the podcast. Yeah, I'm almost upset. I should have, you know. Hopped on the train, went to Penn Station just to be in New York with you guys. But we uh, we have the amazing, probably such a innovative, an innovator, still one of the baddest, toughest session wrestlers there is. The amazing Vivi Lane. Vivi, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me and for that really uh, glowing introduction. Absolutely, it's well deserved. It's well deserved. How are you? How was your New Year? Um. Uh, well, you know, my actual New Year was a real bummer because I visited my family for the holidays and my sister gave everyone a cold. Um, <laughs> so oh my, my post-New Year's is great because once you recover from feeling like crap, everything else feels twice as good. So uh, I'm, I'm saying this New Year started around January 3rd and it's, it's bright and beautiful from here. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I actually had a similar experience. I, I was sick from Christmas Eve to about New Year's as well. And and the thing I thought about was like, oh, it's kind of like a forced rest now. I'm not going to run around like a chicken with my head cut off for the holidays. I'm just going to like actually rest. So I, I don't rest. <laughs> I don't rest at all. Same, I, uh, I... same rest and relaxation as well. <laughs> no, I, I had to keep going. So I, I stuffed a tissue up inside the mask. <laughs> and just kept, <laughs> kept running around like this is so gross but um yeah yep. rest is something i've heard about <laughs> it's a myth <laughs> but uh vivi we're so honored and grateful that you're able to come on glad you both are feeling you know better than how you were not too long ago but uh for me it's just i, I guess i just want to get it started with uh how did you really discover this this crazy world we call session wrestling? Um, well, I, I think I, I've told this story a few times, but um, it was a thing that happened in, a, like, first a tiny little hint and then just a, a leap into, into the deep end. Um, when I was in college, I had a, a boyfriend who was co-captain of the Aikido team. Um, and I knew nothing about martial arts at this point. Um, I had never been a sporty kid growing up at all. Um, so I thought, you know, oh, wow, he must be really good at this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, wow, amazing. And we just started play fighting one day. And I can't say necessarily that I won, but we pretty much ended in a draw. Um, and I was 
thinking that was fun and wow i must be really good because i assumed that he must be really good too uh (laughs) captain of aikido team Uh, and i just kept in the back of my mind i would do that again if i got the chance um but it turned out that he wasn't really interested didn't want to do that again thought that was sort of a like how did we start doing that and that was stupid um so a few years later after college i moved to new york and I got invited pretty randomly one night to a fetish party. And again, I'd never done anything like that before at all. Um, But I thought, oh, that'll be a fun thing, an adventurous thing to say I did once and it'll make a good story. And the person that invited me mentioned there would be wrestling at this party. And I remembered, oh, yeah, I always wanted to try that again if I got a chance. So I showed up at this party. Uh, thinking it was a one-off, thinking, you know, oh, I can just, you know, try that try that thing one more time. And I really loved the people that I met there, and I had a great time. And, in fact, the first time that I jumped into wrestling at a fetish party, I did get my ass kicked. Um, mm. But I loved everything about it except the losing part. So <laughs> I said, uh, when are you doing this again? I'll be back, and I want to learn. Um, and I kept going back and I made great friends and I, I studied up on how to repeat the process, but with more winning. <laughs> Just wanted to edit out the losing part. <laughs> so that makes sense. I, so yeah, I, I, I loved all of that, but we're going to, we're going to go for the win in the yes. future. How do, how do I do that? Wow. So yeah. until that invite to that party, did you have any interest in kink or fetish at all or were you completely like naive to that world before you got invited to that party i ooh, it's um it's one of those questions you could almost uh answer either way um i was i was super naive and sheltered growing up actually but i went to a very liberal liberal arts college um (laughs) uh, i went to oberlin college which is uh one of the schools that i think sort of competes for most liberal liberal arts college gotcha a few others um so my first year there was a huge culture shock for me they have uh their two biggest events of the year are safer sex night and drag ball (laughs) um and I remember I did I did abstain from my freshman year safer sex night. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> um, but you very quickly get sort of you know used to slash even numb to these things if you're just immersed in them. Um, so I, I had a sort of um, exposure awareness, um, but I hadn't. I I had gotten into a more. I guess, open-minded way of thinking, but I hadn't explored kink or fetish specifically at all uh, until I got invited to that party. Uh, What definitely swayed, uh, you know, the course of events that night was that I did have a friend. uh, It was a group of four of us that ended up going to this party. And one of the ladies was extremely interested in BDSM was a a very, very hardcore masochist, which my two other friends and I didn't quite realize about her at the time. But when this invite got uh, put out to the four of us and we were all a little bit on the fence as to whether to go, um, the, the fourth, the fourth woman very subtly was, 
yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd be interested. We should, we, should try, we should try it. And we're like, um, okay, if you think so. And um, yeah, that that definitely helped to get me there. No, now, so I, I'm guessing though, with all it was love at first sight though, once you um, got there, you know. There, there was a lot going on, I'll say, at that particular party. Uh, <laughs> and having never been exposed to this before, I was kind of surprised that people were walking up to me and asking me to flog them. Um, <laughs> particularly just because I assumed they might want someone who knew what they were doing. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like I, I swear to you, I have no clue. But um, uh, sure, okay. Uh, and it was all very interesting, but the part that really stood out to me that, yes, was love at first sight, was the wrestling. Um, and that was the the element that really brought me back again. And everything else was was very interesting, was stuff I've definitely gotten more, more used to and learned to enjoy in, in different ways. Um, but But wrestling was the hook, absolutely probably like the stone in the stream because if you hadn't seen that like how different your life might be today so that is something i think about a lot because it wasn't anything i expected um it wasn't something that i expected to be good at Uh, like i mentioned i wasn't a sporty kid and part of the appeal i mean then and even now is how amazing is it and how surprising is it that this is what i ended up doing um I was very, very excited when I started, you know, to find out that I had a knack for it. Um, it, it was a surprise, a really good surprise. Uh, and it was, it was just very funny to me at the time. And now that I've been doing it for many years, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm more familiar I'm more comfortable I'm I know you know how I fit into this but it was really exciting and really bizarre to discover initially wow oh go ahead Hans oh yeah I was I was just gonna kind of mirror that a little bit just like uh you know definitely like meeting you way back when like you know I uh on that fateful day just like meeting you that one time and and now knowing that I would still know you like 15 years later, like it's funny how just like something you randomly decide to go to or try someday, like ends up having such an impact on your life. And you just kind of like think like, wow, what if I just decide to stay in that, that weekend or, you know, like like how different life could be if you just don't like sort of like take the chance to go out and explore a little bit. So that's what's so sad about uh, the situation right now when people are having so much difficulty going out and having, what might be that life-changing experience? Mm, absolutely. Now, f- how soon after that party did that kind of get you wanting? I know you're a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and like, how soon did that make you want to go and start really like taking lessons and you know stop that losing from happening? Oh, I mean, I instantly wanted to stop that losing from happening. <laughs> um, well, like I mentioned, I'd had that one silly like play around wrestle match with my college boyfriend which left me thinking that I was pretty good um you know with no other basis for that at all (laughs) um (laughs) but I I've always been 
extremely competitive. Um, I wasn't always displaying that through sports. Um, like when I first told my family that I had gotten into this and they were very surprised because it was never something that I'd expressed any interest in. Um, they thought back and said, Oh, right. You were always really competitive. Mm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So when I, like I said, I came back um, after that first party because I liked the people I met. It turned out that, um, one of the people there tipped me off that there was another uh, recurring event in New York at that time called amateur female jello wrestling. Um, And I was like, that is amazing. I'll be there. So I went to that and there was a group of women that were going to this. It was sort of like a really amateur, goofy um, pro style type wrestling um, in jello in a kiddie pool in various dive bars around New York City. Uh, But a group of ladies that were participating really wanted to get more serious about wrestling. They were going to this, like, kooky performance event, but saying, we would like to learn to wrestle. So that led to uh, really the formation of Doom Maidens, uh, a group of of women that were all meeting up for this amateur female jello wrestling and uh, occasional you know, other of the fetish parties where there were, were wrestling events at that time, uh, banded together and said, we'd like to train. And one particular person involved was training at a martial arts school, a jujitsu school at that time. So would bring what she was learning back to the group. And that's the first place I started training with this collective of amateur female jello wrestlers um, <laughs> who were taking their uh, education into their own hands. And for about a year, year and a half, um, that's where I was practicing until I realized I was, I was still there. I'd, I'd listed myself to do session wrestling at that point. Um, Hans and I had met at the um, FemWin event that happened in March 2007 um, in New York, and we were now venturing into videos. Um, and you know, a year plus later, I was still doing this. I decided I would join a jujitsu school as well. And so, right about um, a year and four months, I guess, after that first party, is when I signed up to uh, to study at a school formally, and. Um, and Which then she became a... untouchable. <laughs> ah, yeah. Those first couple times that I uh, <laughs> met you, I stood, I stood maybe a little bit of a chance, not not a lot, but now. Oh, you used to come like to our almost, our very first no uh, training sessions too, um, and you only ever learned a couple moves. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> now I I want to ask you because for me, Doom Maidens is a a name a group that i've seen for so long and i want to ask you like looking back like how does that because that's a big name and really helping getting session wrestling like to grow to where it is like how does that feel knowing like you were kind of at the start of that um (laughs) how does that feel i mean that just feels like well yeah um (laughs) because it's funny i am the 
there were maybe oh God, there were five or six of us initially, and I am the only founding member of Doom Maidens uh, still around. Um, we did go through a few different incarnations. Um, when we formed, we were sort of a training group. We were um, we were doing sort of entertainment at uh, at parties in New York. Um, we're sort of like we'll be a stage show if we can get in free um we had uh, one particular like friend affiliated who wanted to make photo comics of us like we we were a group of people that loved doing this alternative underground wrestling but didn't know what we were going to do with it right except that we knew that we did want to do something with it not just like wrestle but like what can we do with this where can we take it um and for a while we were going to sort of be a session agency but we always really wanted to encourage women to just be independent and be in control of whatever they wanted to do so we didn't we didn't make the best session agency um and we pivoted away from that into being a video business um very early on actually um and that's what we've been for the majority of, of Doom Maiden's existence is a video company that likes to work with, with local people in New York more closely, visitors, of course, but really kind of build some relationships and present, um, like I said, we're not a session agency, but we want to give people in New York a set of resources mm. um, you know, and so we've had some people sort of start with us and go on to become really full-fledged uh, independent wrestlers, which is great. Um, and I mean, it's wonderful that you say we've really, you know, shaped the industry in some ways. Um, everybody does, I guess, who who participates. Um, but we've been around now for a while nowhere near as long as some um but much longer than others and we plan to to keep being here um no absolutely you know and keep uh i I mean i keep finding like whatever ways are really the the thing to do in the moment um we've had we've had phases um like i guess bonded wrestling is something that i do feel really you know pretty pretty responsible and pretty proud of um, of introducing on a wider yeah. level um so that's something i can say yeah i think i think i did that um and then just also some of the ladies that have come through here that have uh, you know made their own marks has been pretty awesome no um and and i mean it like you know going back i'm not trying to age i'm i'm you know i was just trying to, to compliment like it was when you looked up session wrestling, like, you know, you're like one of the first things to pop up was doom maidens. And that was one of the first, you know, like you said, video stores that I saw and got to, you know, from seeing you to Amazon, Annie and different people. And also the different types of, like you said, like you said, bondage wrestling, which you are the, the queen innovator of, and just even different types of videos that I was like, Oh, that's unique. Like I really think, you know, you guys really did help to take the industry forward and, and especially with the bondage wrestling, that is just really has caught on. 
Well, what I'm going to say story how is... that came up, right? Oh, how, how, how bondage wrestling came up? The bondage, yeah. Like, I, I always, I always enjoy the telling of the story I've, I've, I've heard about, like, like everyone's heard, like, you know, just how bondage wrestling sprung up from seemingly out of nowhere. Um, I don't know if it is that interesting a story, really. It's kind of a similar story to how, I mean, some of our other video styles that have become popular uh, have sprung up. I mean, honestly, it's usually the idea of, of a fan. And that's, I guess, one of the things that I think we've done well and hopefully will continue to do is hearing an idea from from a fan because who knows what is desirable will be popular what people want to see better than the people that that watch and see it uh, so bonded wrestling was something that a session client suggested to me and it was an amazing session and so much fun and i was like i would do that with all kinds of people um, but they don't know to ask for it so i'll just offer it um mm. but other um we've had certain types of videos that have been really, really popular. Uh, and we've gone on to make them into sort of uh, genres of their own, uh, like cat balls. Um, we have a whole series woman to woman, which is a type of video that we do. We have the Python and prey series. Yes. And these were all things that were requested specifically as custom videos to start with. Um, and we found out, you know, people, the fans are brilliant. <laughs> listen, <laughs> to them they have amazing ideas uh we started doing punishment rounds um at the end of our competitive matches because one particular custom video client said i love competitive matches but i also love certain holds and some of the holds i love are really really rare in competitive matches so at the end of the competitive match can you do a punishment round where they put them in all of the sexy holds and we're like uh, yeah, and you kick yourself for not having thought of it yourself, and then you thank the person who did think of it. Um, and I think that's something that we we have done is just said that's a great idea. Um, we'll we'll do it for you, and then we'll do it again because it was a really good idea. Wow, yeah, that that is awesome. Like, and it is the, the power of listening to your audience. That you know, it sounds so simple, but yet so many people don't do it. It's it's really just hey, love. Sometimes listen to the the people who you're trying to to put the content out for, and they'll they'll tell you what they like. And and you know they do. And you can distinguish between people that have those ideas that you're like, oh, that sounds like it has wider appeal. And you know somebody that has an idea that you're like, I absolutely see how that is your favorite thing, but I don't see the wider appeal. Like you definitely get both types of suggestions um but every once in a while you get that idea that you're like everyone's been thinking that right <laughs> everyone would like to see that and it's it's great right, like more than now, one I... request of that and then it's like it's like yeah why after the, like the third request why haven't we tried a video of this it seems popular so yeah <laughs> or you know you go ahead and you you try it once and you're like oh Oh, that the, the response to that was excellent. <laughs> right. <laughs> but now, had had you had experience with like bondage and role play before that first session? Um, yes, a bit. Um, 
when I did uh, first get involved in the scene, um, like I said, wrestling was the was the definite hook that kept me there. But I became very interested in the whole um, BDSM community within New York. I was going out to um, not just parties and events, but there were educational groups that would meet and have um, classes, demos, workshops. Um, in particular, uh, TESS, the Spiegel Society, mm-hmm. uh, is a very long-running um, I'd like to give them the credit that they're due. I'm not sure if they're the oldest continually running BDSM group in New York City or in the country or in the world. Actually, I know their their pedigree is is significant, um, but I don't know precisely, so I can't give them exactly the the right level of credit there. But they're they're very good, and I used to go to a lot of their demos and classes. Um, as lo- as well as um, DSF was another New York uh, BDSM group. Um, Dom Sub Friends is what that stood for. Um, and those were, I think Dom Sub Friends is really the one where I went to a couple of bondage workshops. And I really went to very, very few bondage workshops um, because what I did was take just the basics um, I went to Aaron Houdini was someone who was in the New York scene for a while and did a great like beginner's intro to rope. You learned the double column tie and off of that one particular style of tie, I dove in, tried bondage wrestling, knew about one thing plus a lot of wrestling. <laughs> And just started experimenting and just started applying that one thing everywhere on whatever part of the body I could grab. Um, and it turned out you could, you could put that tie in a lot of places. Um, and with a minimal amount of input from, you know, bondage experts and a ton of experimentation and then a lot of wrestling know-how, um, I started innovating and, when I first started bondage wrestling, it was a really good way to level the playing field because nobody knew what they were doing. So if you went in saying like, oh, I have a lot of wrestling experience and you know, sometimes the match is over too quickly, you'd be like, oh, but bondage wrestling. Right. Uh, everyone has a chance. No one knows. It's like the Wild West. No one knows how it's going. Um, but I did keep doing it for, at this point, 10 or 12 or so years. Um and to me now it's no longer the wild west. I'm like, I've got some, I've got some tricks. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I need to find a, a new ways of, of leveling the playing field. Actually. I've done a lot of handicap matches and things when people are like, we'd like a, we'd like this to go on longer. We'd like this to be more even. Right now. I gotta be honest for me, just curious, I guess, taking me and maybe the fans behind the scenes when you've had like multiple people, I've seen, bondage wrestling we've had like six people or eight and like you do like a clip how is that to kind of like orchestrate that not just as like the wrestling but also like the filmmaking where it's like like does it take a lot of like details to make sure like all right we have six ladies in this clip and how do we break down like how this looks on camera um fortunately i'm not the person that has to focus on that aspect um, okay too very much um so like I said, Doom Maidens has gone through uh, a few different iterations in its uh, history. But at this point, it is a video company, and it's me, uh, 
who is a, a major performer. And uh, I also kind of set up and, and bring in all of the other models. And then the other half of that is Diablo, who is my cameraman and videographer. Um, and he does a phenomenal job, um, both with the style of his filming and his attention to really the quality of our camera work and then the video editing. So I have both amazement and a lot of, of sympathy slash regret for the ladies that I know do everything on their own because like the level of what we do, I would not be able to do as a, as a single person. The fact that we have the two of us um, working on the two things that are our respective skills, uh, I mean, lets us just, you know, simple math, do twice as much. Right. Uh, but yes, when we have something like a six or eight person, uh, you know, bonded shoot, there's the logistics of setting it up, right? I try to get everyone there and then the cameraman is responsible for, you know, filming it. Um, and there's so much going on in a shoot like that with so many different groups interacting. Like there's, there's absolutely always something to look at. Um, and then we've tried to experiment with different rule sets and organizational styles to make those matches, you know, happen. Um, like total free-for-alls, we've done those. Um, and then like structuring them like little mini tournaments with different rounds. And it lets you, it lets you look at different things. Uh, when you have that mayhem free for all thing, right? you can pick little bits out of it. You can get the huge, like almost mosh pit of wrestlers. But when you have the tournaments, people can actually watch each match. Like when you have a free for all, you're not going to see one match from beginning to end. You're going to dart around. Um, so yeah, we've we've definitely done both for slightly different effects. <laughs> no, no, and they're awesome. And and you're right. Like when you have like the free for all, it's cool because I, I I for me personally, I go back and watch because I'm like, oh man, I was focusing on these two like before. Now let me see what happens over here. Or oh wow, like if someone like kind of wiggles out of a tie, I'm like, oh how how did they like wiggle out of this? I didn't see this. So like. I, it makes me want to go back and like rewatch them to get the whole, which I, I enjoy. So, and I also like the one-on-one too. Like, you know, it's both are really great. Right. I mean, so with the free-for-alls, you eventually get down to sort of a one-on-one at the end, but with the, uh, the tournament style, like these are the orchestrated matches. You get that you know, throughout. Now has, has anyone kind of surprised you in the bondage wrestling with their, their bondage skills, like someone you didn't expect to be as good with in, in that in bondage wrestling, they kind of like surprised you how, how good they were. Uh, well, there have been two matches where I really did get a big surprise in bondage wrestling. Um, and one was against Aqua X, which is something I laugh at like continually um, because Aqua <laughs> is, you know, she's not a wrestler, although she was always a, she was a model who always held her own just a little better than you expected. You'd be pretty impressed with her, but she never had any like wrestling background whatsoever. And I wanted to experiment with a new, cause I'm always trying to think of like, okay, what's a, what's another way we can try this. I wanted to do a bondage wrestling match on the bed, um, like a four poster bed. And the objective would be, you had to get a, 
you know, a spread eagle tie. People tied, you know, one hand to one post, one hand to the other, one foot to the other, and the last foot to the last post. Oh, um, wow. So, and I thought, oh my God, with aqua, this is going to be so easy. Um, and I was always pretty used to, you know, not taking it too seriously when somebody got a, got a rope on me. I'd be like, oh, I'll shake that off later and I'll, you know, I'll tie them up and, and then just undo that. But it turned out that when you're not on a mat where you can move freely, when you're on a bed where you can actually have an anchor point and you can, you know, lash that down to one of the posts, it's completely different. Um, and so very early on, I was like, oh, whatever. She put a, she put a rope on my ankle. Meh. She tied it off to the post and I was like, I'm so screwed now. And Aqua, who I, I didn't, you know, I honestly did not respect her abilities, mm-hmm. uh, was suddenly tying me up. I'm like, this is, this is psycho. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this is hilarious. Um, the other person who really surprised me because I've given, um, a lot of the New York wrestlers, I've set up little like bondage wrestling seminars and I've given them uh, little, little lessons. And we made a video at one point, like here are a few bondage wrestling techniques here, everybody. If you want to like look at this video, I'd, I'd love for more people to, to practice this. Um, and no one ever really listened. Um, but at one point, um, Sheena came and stayed at my studio and asked oh can you teach me a little bit about bondage wrestling and i was like yeah mm. sure oh no problem here here's some here's some stuff um i swear to god she is the person who listened <laughs> when i was like here's <laughs> what you do um she took little videos and um a f- was it a few months or a year later she came back again i'm like Sheena, we've never done a bondage wrestling match let's do a bondage wrestling match um Holy shit. She actually, she totally, (laughs) she totally paid attention. Um, She was the hardest person um, that I've ever bonded wrestled. And she is, I think the, mm, she is the only person that's, that's beaten me one-on-one other than Aqua who had a bed to work with. Um, And I was, I was impressed and I was regretful. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, wait a minute. I gave, I gave the info to someone who paid attention. Um, And I was, I was rocked. I was very sad. Um, I was very proud of her and still very sad. (laughs) The teacher became the student. I was like, ah, ah. Because like I said, going back to my very, very first time at that party, I'm like, how do I do this? But with winning. Um, <laughs> always, always my objective. Yeah. Next time you got to teach the person after you've had the bondage match. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's what you should have done. <laughs> no, absolutely. So, um, I guess for me, uh, something that I saw when you did, which was awesome, the Session Girls interview. And if anyone hasn't seen it, you go on YouTube or Session Girls website and see VV answering questions. It was really great. But you said something when, like, you were asked a question about your favorite, like, type of session. And you said it really depends on that person's energy. And I thought that was a really, like, fascinating answer. And I, I wonder if you could, like, ex- like, kind of expand, like, for our audience about, like, what you mean when, like, that, that person's energy when it comes to a session. Um. Well, the thing that's just so much fun in a session 
is when the other person is well having a good time and also comfortable enough to let you know that they're having a good time um i've i've done like different types of sessions like up there on my like these are some of my favorites um they've been they've been really different styles they've been you know sometimes just super competitive and we just go for it and it's all a big sweaty mess um and sometimes they've been really like much more intricate role play scenarios um but it's when it's when someone can let you know that like this is what i'd like to do and and i love it um and in contrast the most frustrating sessions are when you know that you're dealing with somebody who's very nervous or insecure about what they would like and even though they might be enjoying it they're very hesitant to show it in any way Hmm. um and will just try to keep uh keep a cap on what they're feeling um and i've had i've had a feel like that and you're just like oh i i think i think what you want to do here is is let go a little more and just be in the moment um so and i think that's something that people often develop get comfortable with as they as they either session more or just move move onward in life and get a little more familiar with like oh this thing that i like may not be the most mainstream thing some people may not get it or appreciate it but i know that it's great and a lot of fun for me and i'm not going to be held back by worrying about it um you know that's a person who is who is really fun to work with i mean other people I mean, they need the time to get there. So you, you do meet people who are, who, are, who are nervous, who are shy, who may not ever tell you exactly what they're looking for, and you end up guessing. Um, they, they need that time to get there, and that's, that's totally fine. But at the point when somebody does get there, it's like, this is what I like. I love it. We're going to have so much fun. I'm like, we are going to have so much fun. Let's do it. Mm. No, that's awesome. And, and do you think, like, when, if people are kind of nervous or not, sharing their enjoyment or telling you what they want do you think it's like are they worried about like offending you or it being like too off the wall kind of um i mean i think that might be a thing that's actually much much less of a problem i think it's the people that kind of want to almost to prove to themselves that they are in control of their own fetish. It's like, I can put myself in this fetish situation, but I can not enjoy it. Oh. Oh, man. (laughs) Is that helping you? Is that helping me? What's... Come on now. Come on now. It's like a fetish, like, detox thing. Are you here to have fun or not? (laughs) Um, No, I think people that are actually just complete completely new shy maybe are just looking for that first experience where they say oh wow that was great that's that's also that can also be a really really good 
good session. Um, so I guess I'm saying maybe anyone that's open to enjoying what they enjoy. Um, I mean, and and sharing it with the other person because that makes such a good feedback loop. Um, I guess the only the only thing I'm really saying is just kind of not worth anyone's time is almost going in there to prove that you can confront your fetish and not enjoy it. Um, which is something that I, I've seen only a few times, but it sticks out as that thing that you're like, oh, come on now. Why do we do that? That's, That's just yeah, so mean. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 do, I do get it because I think people people value having that feeling of control, um, right. you know, all through their life. And, and I think some people have that, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's what fetish is really. It's that thing that's a little bit beyond your control. And some people are, are happy to give in to that fact. Um, and some people really want to, um, to solve it, <laughs> to impose that control. Um, it's, it's not, mysterious but it's not that much fun <laughs> no i'm I, that's that's very because i do think and I, that's why i love to kind of talk to you guys about this because i love especially the session wrestler and the, like the creativity the different types of clips because i think like there's so still so much like you know and we, we talked earlier about how you've innovated in people gave you ideas like you know of different types of like sessions to do i think there's still so many avenues we can still find that's still like respectful in that boundary and i think sometimes it's like you know hey like why would you do this if you're not you know if you're trying to like prove something like 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 what you said don't do it and also to me it's like hey there's still a way to kind of ask and hey you respect you know, that person's boundaries of what's an absolute no, but the worst they may say is no, I, I can't do that. Or no, I can't do that at this time, but it's good to kind of ask and just talk about it and express yourself. Right. That's something that I have definitely encountered. Um, it's, it, it, it's something you notice when people apologize for asking and you're like, no, no, it's, it's fine to ask. Um, it's absolutely and um, it's it's desirable that you ask because we'd both like to know if we're going to be a good match, if what you're looking for is something I can do or something that uh, we would both enjoy doing together. Um, I mean, and if the answer is no, you, you definitely want to know that uh, beforehand. Um, so when people apologize for asking, I'm like, not at all. I'm not offended. Um, when people don't ask and hopefully it's you know and assume that hopefully you know whatever they want is going to happen um that that's definitely worse than asking because you might have made the wrong assumption and put you know yourself and the session provider in a in an awkward situation um right yeah it's 100 percent better to i mean politely of course mm -hmm. go Always. ahead go ahead and say you know what's on your mind um like more communication is always better right um 
I mean, it's better to put it in, you know, 10 to 20 words rather than 2000. Um, I did right. consider, <laughs> I did consider a page limit once on, uh, <laughs> on custom requests. That's um, a good point. <laughs> yes. Very true. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, but that actually, if you go on too long, that's almost a lack of communication. Um, Cause you were like, wait, what are we talking about now? Is this, is this now confusing? It's that's best true. to just, you know, get your point across. Oh, that's that's the way to go. I'm, honestly, absolutely, it's uh, it's best to do that, uh, just to get get it out there. Because I think I've kind of still, I'm sure you have VV and Hans, but I even with the podcast of people kind of uh, asking like they're new to set, they haven't done it, or they they want to do it, and like what's the way to go about it? And to me, it's always like that. That's a big part of it. Uh, and it's, I'm glad you said the you know brevity is key. Like don't 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 you know no one wants to read a book for an email so make sure it's it's right to the point but respectful Mm -hmm. right you don't want to leave out anything that's important but you don't want to repeat what is important in seven different ways (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've actually had the experience before where you know like people are are like well-intentioned and and they include like a lot of detail, but it was actually like so much detail to the point that I finally wrote back and said, I really appreciate like all the stuff you're writing me, but I have to be honest with you, you can write faster than I can read. And that's, that's amazing. <laughs> so yeah. I'll, I'll never be able to catch up with everything that's, that you've written me because it will just take too long. That's the voice to text now. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's true voice to text and then some people some people are just prolific writers and i envy them in a way because sometimes i need to write stuff for my own stuff and um, i just sit there with writer's block for like 20 minutes and be like man you know if you could just spill on the page like like some people seem to be able to do like that's uh it's an admirable talent but but yeah like you said like communication it's it kind of like strikes a balance of like you want to be able to say the things that you want to say like in a succinct paragraph for efficiency's sake but um yeah I think it's something we all kind of struggle and go go through as we try to meet each other over the interwebs. So. No, the the balance is um, it's it's tough and it's uh, it's golden when it happens. And you give a lot of allowance for uh, you know pe- people being imperfect on that ex- exact mix. Um, it's just it's just the real extremes of. Um, what are you asking? Or, you know, holy shit, I don't have the time for that. Um, like, there's there's a there's a large swath in the middle that's totally fine, um, and the the far extremes that you're you're left wondering, scratching your head. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's either one sentence or you know one book. So. Yeah, <laughs> right. Both give there's, give a lot of There's a good middle ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing that I always remember um, doing this um, and I've been doing it for for quite a few years and the the good experiences that I've had outweigh the bad by such an extreme degree um, and on the one hand I could say I'm I'm very very lucky but I hope that's an experience that a lot of people um, doing this have had um, by far the the good experiences 
outweigh any bad ones. That's all. That's always good to hear. I'm always glad to hear that. Cause I know for me, I can say the same thing as just someone who is a fan and does sessions in that way. Like it's, it's been nothing but just a blessing and a joy and an awesome. So I always love it when I hear those who like, we're so grateful that you guys do this. You want to hear like, yeah, there might be, you know, a knucklehead every now and again, but that's like the exception. It's not the rule. Yeah. And you can't think of any, any profession or any little slice of life or corner of the world where you're not going to run into to someone who's annoying. Exactly. Uh, right. You're like, this is, this is a really, really cool job to have. Um, but it has a lot of similarities with, with others. And you can't think of a, you know, a doctor, lawyer, surgeon, or, a you know, cashier, sales clerk, anybody who hasn't had annoying people to deal with. And, uh, and hopefully hasn't had really good people to deal with. Right. Um, Vivi, I gotta be honest. I have the, this was just something that always, I kind of wanted to ask you because, you know, for people who listen to the show, when it comes down to like toughest session wrestler, who's like the toughest opponent, your name's always like top of the list. First one to get said. And I, I hate assuming, but I, I feel like, I guess if a guy does a session with you, you probably have had it where they kind of see your size and you know you're you're more slender, and they take it for granted. But I've kind of always wondered. And I know now, like a lot of the people know who you are, but has anyone in the industry, like another session wrestler, is there a time where they kind of took your size for granted, and you kind of like showed them, like, no, 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 I'm still, I'm a lot tougher than what you think. Um, I'm not sure if I can think of any, any exact name, but I have had the experience where I I do have somewhat of a reputation and I will reach out to other wrestlers or models to say, do you want to shoot together? Um, And they will say, yes, yes, but I, I don't want to do anything competitive. And they will arrive to the shoot and then you know see that oh i'm i'm actually really small and kind of then hint that like oh well maybe maybe next time we could try competitive that would be fine (laughs) (laughs) Um, and i'm like okay well it's i mean i don't know i'm like is it good that online i'm intimidating is it good that in person i'm not intimidating i don't i don't know um, <laughs> but um maybe it's that all a lot of your pictures are taken at an up angle so they assume you're just really tall somehow like psychologically but <laughs> are, are they i mean i don't know i mean t- so many of my pictures are like screenshots from yeah. from videos i'm like that's a pretty like candid honest appro- i mean i mean they're yeah you know, they're the best screenshots, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I definitely will, like, you know, be like, why would you not post, uh, like, the best thing you can? But I do try to be very honest about it. Um, so, that yeah, it's, 
I'm ter- this is a terrible answer that I'm like I feel like I feel like that has happened and I also can't bring you up an exact example. No, no. Uh, I definitely have had people of like guys in sessions who and this is it's both frustrating and it's and it's wonderful because it is fun. Oh, the videos they have to be fake. Those guys are are terrible. They're not trying. You can't really beat them. I'm like, um you did worse. <laughs> you did worse than any of the people that you were just insulting in those videos. They were really trying. You were really trying. <laughs> and um, you're a smear on the mat now. Uh, that is that is fun. That, I, I'm sure it has to be. And I kind of just always wonder, like, when when someone, like, you know, smaller. But that's why I think it's great because when – Ever I ask anyone the toughest, your name's the first one. It's always like number one. And from uh, Sheena to Warrior Amazon and so many others, like you're the top one. I know Hans has wrestled you many times and he can <laughs> back that up too, probably. Uh, oh, well, yeah. Hans, I have a, at this point, I have a long standing uh, like psychological warfare and physical warfare campaign against Hans. <laughs> It is very psychological. It is something I think about every every time, every year around this time of year. It's like, ah, oh, it's New Year's. This is the year I'm going to sneak one on Vivi, you know? <laughs> so, always at well, the we top did, of my list. So. We did a three-on-one match, I know, and you yes. you relished the chance to scissor I me with two people it. helping you. Yes. <laughs> Oh, it was one of my favorite videos I've ever done. Uh, I, will, I, I acknowledge that you have a very powerful body scissor, and if you are held down such that you cannot uh, not maneuver in it, I was I was up, at, then... up you know up on my squats you know that month I was I was definitely like on the upper level of where I was, and then to, yeah to have two happy little helpers. Uh, Help me administer scissor pain hold, to Vivi. Hold Vivi completely still. <laughs> yes. Now the scissor will work. Stretch her out a little bit. And I was like, yeah, that, that sucks. It's like, oh no, you had to tap out to it again. It. So, uh, <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> we should do another one of those. <laughs> uh, you know, those, those were a particular creation from a very particular fan we'll see if he comes back and gives you another glory day i'm, I'm rooting i'm rooting for him to do that <laughs> All right. if All he's right. out there somewhere <laughs> if you're listening to this on wants another chance yes oh yes i i, I loved it thank you sir <laughs> now vivi who, who's the i know like you said in the past like there's no size limit on so who's like the biggest guy you've kind of had to, I guess, quote unquote, take down the size, if you remember. Um, well, let's see. Um, the absolute like heaviest person I've ever wrestled was, I think, 410 pounds. But um, his health was very, very poor. So he was not my most challenging opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And then the next maybe heaviest guy that like definitely put up a fight, but still was not a particularly, um, you know, terrible challenge was the bulk. Um, one of, one of my earliest opponents actually, but he was like 330 pounds. Um, definitely in better shape, but not, but not great shape. Um, and he was somebody that I could also handle. 
um, there's actually a point where people are kind of at their their most imposing, intimidating, you know, physically strong and able. Um, and at a certain point they get, uh, you know, size doesn't help. So people that have been the most challenging um, have been more in that like 220 to 250 range because people can really be at that weight. They can still be almost entirely muscle. Um, and, I've had some, some very, very tough people that I fought at, at that size. Um, let's see. So now I, I'm talking about, I guess, guys that I've met in sessions. Um, the women that I've fought, I think the largest lady that I've ever wrestled um, is Clavaretta, who was also 330 pounds. Um, let's see. Anaconda was another but she was uh, was she 250 i think so um and i guess it, it does go to go to show that size matters but what really matters is combining size with wrestling training because right. people who have been you know the most difficult um and now and for women i'm thinking people who have been the most difficult have been in like the 180 maybe the 150 to 180 range because i've met some people who are very skilled um and then just significantly bigger than me at that weight so none of the largest people i've who i fought have ever been the most challenging um now the the most the most challenging is somebody who's skilled who has that size on you now what about like uh just for me i always was curious like like someone who was a part of doom mate like amazon annie okay right so i guess that's a that's a good example um annie was like 200 210 pounds she's definitely one of the bigger people i fought um i always did have a skill and experience advantage on her so she was not one of like the most difficult people that I had ever wrestled. Okay. That makes, yeah. And that makes, cause I know she kind of was, she was learning like BJJ, but was not only the level that you were on, but always was, you know, just those videos were kind of interesting to me. Cause she, she would show like in other videos, like that she has, she wasn't just all like size and strength. She has like some grappling knowledge, but, not to like your level. Well, one of the really like fun and interesting things with Amazon Annie was she didn't um, love doing competitive videos um, or matches, but she could. She was she was in it for like some of the fun, the performance. She really loved like pro style or role play and like campy scenarios. She loved costumes. Um, she had like a long history, um, you know, off off camera, I suppose, doing, mm-hmm. doing some work with fashion. So she loved all the performance aspect of it. Um, and she would comment, she's like, people forget that I can do competitive. Um, so we set up a, a live event at one point where Sweetie Dreams, who was, uh, you know, an up and coming wrestler who was training with us and who was pretty serious about like, I'm training, I'm, I'm learning stuff. 
Um, and she was. Um, absolutely, she was. Um, we set up a match between her and Amazon Annie. And I think Sweetie felt really confident about that match because she's like, I'm training right now. And Amazon Annie does a lot of like fantasy wrestling. Um, but when the match happened, Amazon Annie came in and, and, and really won pretty decisively. and was like, well, just because I don't do it all the time, doesn't mean I can't do it. Doesn't mean I don't do it. Right. <laughs> and doesn't mean that, um, you know, the experience of wrestling, because she'd been doing it for a much longer time of doing it over time, you know, doesn't mean something. So yes, Annie definitely had, um, like a lot of competitive chops, but I had a lot more formal and consistent technical training. Gotcha. Yeah. Annie definitely had some of the strongest scissors I've ever felt, though. Something oh, about the way the... she torque, torqued her. Those on you were just, it was like another level that I had not experienced before her. So that was Queen of Squeeze. Yeah. Yeah, it was not just the name. <laughs> it was definitely true. So, so yeah. No, absolutely. So, I guess a final question, at least for me, is, um, Vivi, you've seen. Uh, I know maybe it might be a, a pretty broad one, but you've seen like this industry. You start seeing it start off smaller and it grow. What are some things you would like to see, like, I guess, continue to move, like, session wrestling forward? Hmm. Well, I guess what, what I'd like to see, um, which has happened before and which has really only been disrupted by, by COVID, unfortunately, and which is just kind of starting to present itself again is it's so wonderful when ladies are able to travel. Um, one thing that's been interesting about being here in New York is we are, you know, we are the East Coast and we've had a kind of wonderfully good connection with the European scene as well. So I look really forward to having, having more ladies be able to come and go. I think what's really cool at this point um, one thing that I've been doing um, is building up my studio here in New York so that I have uh, a space for visiting wrestlers to come and stay mm-hmm. um, and a mat room that they can use. And I just went on Session Girls yesterday and looked at um, Jennifer has created a nice section there, the the woman to woman chat and and ads where ladies can talk to each other and and advertise for things like i have a space or i'm coming to your city and who wants to shoot with with me here and if i come to this city do you have any recommendations um i really like the way that this networking is happening to let ladies help each other out um and i think this is something that has always gone on, but I love the way it's becoming just that little bit easier to, mm. to reach each other with, with questions, with offers, with, uh, you know, with resources. 
So I really look forward to that. Um, you know, letting all of us do a little bit more, um, letting us, uh, and I get, I, you can, you can almost hear some of my, like, um, you know, COVID lockdown antsiness, uh, <laughs> right. here. letting us get out there, letting us travel, go to different places, meet different people, um, and make those connections. Um, I'm, I'm very excited for that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think ladies are coming up to that point where they they have things to offer each other, which is which is wonderful. Do you see a lot like, a lot more networking now than like compared to like when you began? Like, I feel like there is, right? Um, I I think so. I see. Um, I mean, this is something I never quite really got into myself i see so many people touring together you know like like doubles uh tours i see um i i do i've i've been really struck by the number of ladies that like oh well if you're ever in my city like i have a place um i do think that's increasing um the ladies that are able to say, um, you know, I've, I've dedicated myself to this, you know, to the point that I've, I've built it up. I have, I have a home base. I have a place, I have things and I have, you know, I have something to offer guests. I have a way to, everybody's making their own little, um, their own little hubs, their own little, um, bases of, like, of power or on a, like a less pretentious level like their own mat rooms um right <laughs> like i really i really like how people are are making are making a little infrastructure for session wrestling no that's awesome that really is and it's cool to see like you said it growing and and i've talked with jennifer thomas about this but like you know people I think on both sides or on every side, whether it's another producer or another session wrestler or even a fan, like being able to connect. I think that's what I love about the, the story of Doom Maiden and how it started is that you guys had each other and like you didn't know what you were going to like create like from the bat, but you knew that you loved doing this and like you were a group where like Hans and I have shared our stories about uh, – um, about being like alone and not really sure like are we like the only ones out there who like this or are into this or like anyone else want to try this i like that like you said people are all from all angles being able to connect with each other more that's something i really noticed about um whenever do maidens or other companies that i've worked with have been able to produce like live wrestling events um when I first started out doing this, I assumed that the fans who were into this would probably want to be really discreet and private about it. Um, but when I first went to a live event uh, in London at Monica's Wrestling Studio, I saw that sometimes the 
the fans were coming as much to meet each other and connect and chat about a thing that they mutually loved as to, you know, watch or meet or chat with the ladies. Uh, and when we repeated that and had some events in New York, it was, it was, it was striking. It was exciting. It was heartwarming to see that, yeah, people would like to have some community around this too. They're not just necessarily coming to, you know, watch the two ladies fight. Um, the audience is even coming to, to get to know each other, to, to say like, oh, hey, we're both into this and uh, I'd love to have somebody to talk to about that. Um, sometimes the, the guys are looking to meet each other just to have some, some friends in the community as much as to meet the ladies. It's nice as a guy too, to be able to say something like, oh, you know, I've followed this like female wrestler for years and like I've been such a fan of hers and then to have someone say back to you, it's like, oh yes, I've known her for years too. She's awesome. It's like, you know, cause it's not necessarily like a mainstream celebrity that you might know. It's this person that's a mainstream celebrity to you and to like have that connection of being able to talk to someone else who, who feels the same. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, com it's comforting and, and kind of like helps you open up too, because it's like, oh, this isn't such a, doesn't have to be such a closeted thing. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. No, no. So Vivi, is there any uh, clips or anything upcoming for you that you want to promote, you know, here on the podcast or any news? Um, well, I guess this is the day, uh, since I finally kind of got back from holiday break, I'm starting to do promotion for stuff that's upcoming in January. And the two things that I was announcing today, um, I just announced this on Twitter and I'm announcing it now right here. Um, at the end of the month, I have shoots with, um, goddess Fina and Onyx Kim on January 20th and on January 26th with Bianca Blanche and Tapered Physique. And so both of those shoots, I've just recently announced, we're taking custom requests and we are not filled up yet because <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're newly announced. So um, yeah, those are two pretty exciting shoots. Um, I haven't worked with any of those ladies before except for Bianca. Um, so on the one hand, it's very exciting that I'm working with some new people uh, to me. And on the other hand, it's very exciting to be working with Bianca again because she's amazing. Awesome. Um, so, yes, if you are interested in um, videos with any of those ladies, plus me, or in combination with each other, um, get in touch pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I definitely will uh, be always promoting that, anything that you got going on. I'll do that. I know Hans will as well, so... It's just honestly such an honor that you came on the show because I can say for me, thank you because you were one of those people I saw out there when, like I said before, I was like by myself and wondering who who's out here in the world doing this or is it just me? Am I just a weirdo? And like seeing you and Doom's Maidens, like it was like, okay, like there's something going on here and I'm being here in Philadelphia and I'm like, it's not that far away. It's in New York. So it was like, so I, I really appreciate it. And I think, uh, you know, if you haven't heard that before, you definitely are a legend and are an innovator in this industry. Thank you very much. So for 
the amazing VV Lane and the awesome Hans Vanderkill. I'm D Rock. Thank you guys for listening to the After Hour Sessions podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Sessions After, on Instagram at Sessions After Pod. Uh, for any people that you want to uh, see come on the show, or if you have any questions or feedback or follow up, you know, like VV said, we want to make sure uh, we're giving you the content that you guys want to listen to. So uh, thank you guys so much and take care. Have a great night and a great 2022. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.